Merry Christmas. Guys, if you're watching last week's show where I give a reflection on being amazed at the mystery of Christmas, you heard me share the story about being in Nazareth and there's an altar there where Mary received the angel Gabriel's message and the word became flesh in her womb and on the altar it says the word was made flesh here. Oh, dude, completely mind-blowing. Guys, going to the Holy Land, going on a pilgrimage, it's helped me move the, the entire experience of faith from the imagination part of the brain. Not that I ever thought it was just, just imagination or false, but no, no. It really helps drive home like from the imagination part of the brain to the reality part of the brain. This happened here, that happened there, to go see these places. And pilgrimages have an incredible impact on my soul. Even small local pilgrimages. You see, they don't just create memories, they create wells, spiritual wells that I regularly go back to and draw from. I want to take you with me to the Holy Land. This is not an ad for a future trip to the Holy Land. Then I'm going 2025. No, no, I want to take you with me today in this show. I wish that we could go right now in the flesh, but we can't. So join me in praying for the peace of Jerusalem. But in 2018, I filmed one of our pilgrimages to the Holy Land where we go to the empty tomb of Jesus. It's still empty, by the way the place where he was born, the place where he preached on the Sea of Galilee. And we caught incredible footage that I want to share with you guys to help bring you into the reality of the mystery that we celebrate every Christmas. This is part of the Real Life Catholic series on EWTN, but it's also part of our Life series. And you can get the whole series called Life. It's seven of the episodes from that EWTN show. Uh, go to reallifecatholic.com, click on our courses, and you'll see the Life program. And I take you with me all around the world and show the experience of joy and faith and how they combine so beautifully. Now, before we dive into this particular episode and take you with me to the Holy Land, missionaries of joy. You guys, I look back over the past year, my mind is blown by how our supporters have helped us make an impact that I could never have imagined. Guys, in August, when we started doing this show on our own channel, we had about 2 million impressions on, on, on YouTube. And in December, it was 16 million. That's thanks to you. We're reaching millions of people. We're feeding the poor. We're providing a full-time doctor in Haiti. We've done reboot events and reached unreached people at 30 parishes last year. The impact has been incredible, and that is 100% thanks to you. So thank you. For those who have been watching this show and haven't jumped off the sidelines onto the field yet, please come in, become a missionary of joy. Your monthly gift is what keeps this whole ministry going. If you join and become a missionary of joy before February, you are entered to win a trip for two people with me to Italy. You can learn more about the trip to Italy on reallifecatholic.com. But we're going to do a drawing from our Missionaries of Joy, our monthly donors. And that's just one of the ways we bless you back as a Missionary of Joy. Thank you guys for making all this incredible work happen. Now, buckle up. Let's go to the Holy Land. Holy Land is not a melting pot. It's more like a patchwork quilt where different cultures are knit together that sometimes comes apart at the seams. From the Bedouin, who can still be seen grazing livestock in what to the untrained eye looks like totally uninhabitable land, to the Muslims who believe Muhammad ascended to heaven from the place of the Dome of the Rock, to the Jews who have claimed this as their promised land for thousands of years, and to an ever-shrinking minority of Arab Christians holding onto faith and family amidst constant turmoil. I'm honored to be leading pilgrims who are joining centuries of Christians who have journeyed here to find God. We'll be walking where Jesus walked, and more, we'll be meeting the living stones, the Christians who have been here since the first Easter. This place just shouts religion. And while it's different religions, one thing we're united in is the fact that it's profoundly human to be religious. Not just to have this vague sense of spirituality, but to express that in tangible ways. 
Right? So there's no way that God would have formed people, his, his, his chosen Jewish people, for thousands of years to worship him religiously, tangibly, and then say, hey, we're going to completely squash that. Be vaguely spiritual instead. Yeah, we're supposed to have a, a heartfelt relationship with God, but we're supposed to express that in tangible ways too. There's simply nothing like being here. To touch the places where Jesus was born, died, and rose. For many coming to the Holy Land, the experience moves all these Bible stories we grew up with from the fairy tale part of the brain <laughs> to the part that finally recognizes that, oh yeah, all this actually really happened. Being here in the Holy Land, it really blows me away. The ordinariness of God. How approachable He made Himself out of love for us. I'm here at the Bethlehem Basilica, and the entrance to this massive basilica is a little tiny door called the Door of Humility. In order to really grasp the God who humbled Himself to share in our humanity, we have to bend down to approach Him. To approach Him who bent down to meet us where we are at. You're standing in the place of our victory. This is it. This is it. Archaeologists don't contest this. We know the place of the crucifixion. You'll walk upstairs and under an altar, there's a hole in the floor. You will touch the rock. We know the place of the empty tomb. There's carvings from the very first century there. You will stand in the empty tomb. It's empty. <laughs> there's no body in there. He's risen, guys. No, no, no other faith can claim this. No other philosopher, no other political leader. The tomb of our leader, of our founder in faith and hope is risen from the dead. His last words on the cross, it is finished. It's done. It's finished. What's finished? Fulton Sheen puts it beautifully. The war is finished. The war against darkness. I really wanted to come on this trip and actually walk the walk that Jesus did. I wanted to experience God where He was Himself. Connecting with history, connecting with the passion and pain of Christ and the joy of the resurrection. Mainly I've came here to grow in my faith and see the places, walk the places that Jesus walked. I'm not sure there's any city in history that, that's been conquered and reconquered and torn down and built up and have more words than the one we're standing in. Why this one? because he came into the midst of our human darkness. He was born behind enemy lines. <laughs> and how far behind enemy lines did he go? He entered the tomb. That's how far he went. And he didn't win by removing all these things and making life easy. He won in, even, in an even more profound way by entering into the midst of it and changing it from within. So the tomb is the cradle of new life. I think that this experience has kind of driven home the fact that Jesus is more than a story and he was really here and a real person. For me, the most powerful moment was at the Church of the Annunciation. Just to see the exact place where God became man and to see the humility of it, to be physically right there in the home of the Blessed Mother. And I just felt her presence saying, welcome to my home. Christ is our love story. It's a love story, a relationship with Him, and we are loved no matter what we think. The most profound moment that I've had here has been here at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We walked the Stations of the Cross before and, you know, stood at the foot at the rock where Jesus was crucified and died. And at that moment, my heart just poured out and I surrendered my whole soul and being to Him. To get into Bethlehem, 
you have to cross the Great Wall that divides Israel from Palestine. It's a very different world in here. Without getting into the extraordinarily complicated political uh, situation that has to do with the wall behind me, you know, it's just worth looking at, at the reality that Christians face here. And a lot of people spend their whole lives behind those walls and in some ways feel like it's a really large prison. It's not easy. It's not easy for people here. Shibli Kondo is a legend in Bethlehem, which when you consider the people who were born here, says a lot. He's a businessman, but so much more, Shibli's on a mission to help the dwindling population of Christians survive and thrive in the place that Jesus was born. Shibli! Hey, brother! All right, so where are we at? We are at one of the uh, Christian Hollywood workshops over here in the city of Beit Sahur. Beautiful. Which just means the city of the shepherds. Hollywood is, is it's the bread and butter for, for the local Christians. A I mean, absolutely. It's 90%. 90%. Of, 90%, 90%, 90%, 90%, 90%, 90%, 90%, 90% of the income? Of the income it depends on the Hollywood car business, yes. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. It's one of the things how we cooperate together in marketing. It's through the shops, you know, where the pedigrees stop and wow. make their shopping. Buy your olive wood products. Seriously. That's incredible. Show me how it's done. Okay. What's so, so special about the olive tree? This is, I mean, this is a, it's an amazing olive tree. tree. Is, it has... The weight, sorry, this is a thick wood. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's but, no but joke. Now this is something like this. As you can see, it's being cut and then he will leave it to be wood. dried. Tell me a little about the, about the olive tree and how it's, it has a lot of symbolic meanings. You know? How old can those trees be? It can reach 1,000, 2,000 years old. And it's just the limbs you're cutting off and the yep. base stays? The base stays and on the base they plant it again, you know. It doesn't take that long till that tree will really? grow. Yeah. So sometimes you will see small trees that are producing olives. Yeah, I'm going to guess you guys have contemplated the beauty of olive trees a, a lot. What's olive tree symbolize to you? Peace. Peace. How? How's that? That goes back to the Old Testament. When Noah, he released the dove, mm. she came back and with carries the, the, with the olive branch in her mouth. That's awesome. What makes the Holy Land olive, exactly, that's the, what we're talking about, the grain. Yeah. The grain of the wood, that's what makes it completely different than any other olive wood all over the world. Because of the soil of the country mm. over here, that's what gives it the beauty. Okay. Yeah? That is absolutely gorgeous, man. <laughs> it's not finished yet. I've never held so many cheeses in my hand at one time. Is <laughs> the artist who's the that's artist? The, that's the, those are the artists who make it uh... beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. No nativity scene is complete without a cow. Pilgrims who come here are doing much more than Christmas shopping. When you buy olive wood products, you keep an economy going. And when you come to Kondo's shop, it's a pretty cool surprise. Tell me about that. Well, simply, this is one of the original pots that the Dead Sea Scrolls of Qumran being found inside them. And how did you get that? It was my granddad. That's insane. It was my granddad. It's not just one. This one, he got four jars. That's, That's right. incredible. And this is, get, this is no... This isn't just a shop. It's for just you, this yeah. a mission. Yeah, exactly. For, for me, community. it's not a matter of uh, business because we, as the family, our profession, we are antique dealers. This is a mission, and this mission to help the Christians, particularly who live in Bethlehem. It's awesome. And that's our goal, and that's why we're involved in so many missionaries and involved with a foundation, as I told you about it, yep. called Select to Give Foundation, yeah. which is taking care of the Christians of Bethlehem. That's a, and that's a true Christian businessman. 
that it's not just about the business, it's no. about people. Well, it's about sharing this stuff with the pilgrims and about keeping the pilgrim people alive here. Since the 1950s, the Christian population of the Holy Land has shrunk from 18 to 2 percent, often emigrating to escape the constant pressure and dangers of being a minority Christian in the Middle East. But the minority that remains continues to warm this place with their love. Yep, Jesus is still alive and well in Bethlehem. So, Shirley, tell me about what's, tell me about this place. This is the, as you can see, where the different different levels of disabilities for the children. Yeah. And uh, this ordination of the incarnation nuns, they are opening this place to take care of them. They already have thirty something over here between the age months to age. 50 years old, Beautiful. 50 and 60 years old, you know, that type of thing. That's awesome. This is what won the world over in the first place to Christianity. That's right. Yeah. You know, see how they love each other. I mean, right here in the heart of Bethlehem, you got the Christian life lived out, not just in the stones. In these yeah? kinds of places, you, you, you show the glory of the Lord. You show yeah. the glory of the Lord that comes through those people, you know, who's doing such and a you great job. And you personally have a soft spot in your heart for this. Why? Definitely. I have a similar situation yeah. in my home as my son. Yeah. Yeah. Which is autistic and he's, he's, autistic. he's yeah. autistic and go through programs. But uh, thanks be to God, you know, that at least my son has someone who can support him. Praise those God. kids, God bless them, you know, and bless those nuns who's taking care of them, you know, and yeah. doing the job which supposed to be done. Wow. This is a cute kid. I'm sorry, you gotta get a close up on his face. Hey, buddy. Hi. What's his name, Shibli? Camilio. Camilio. Hello! What a handsome guy. Yeah, I see this like the church is alive and well here in Bethlehem. This is not a part of history. You see people living out in charity like this? This is, this is now. This is now. Hey, and he's still one of the film crew's cameras right there. It might not make it very long, but he's, he's got it. He's got it. Man. So well, I was just waiting for the film crew to, to, to wrap up, and this guy just crawled in my arms and he's falling asleep. Kind of universally, uh, orphanages around the world, they just, kids just want to be touched and held and stuff. Anybody can do that. You feel like you can't contribute something meaningful? Go volunteer uh, with, with an orphanage somewhere. You can contribute something meaningful. Is that someone from another pilgrimage group that got lost? No. Okay, good. <laughs> Every once in a while, someone wanders out years later. Where's the bus? <laughs> We lost you in the 2014 pilgrimage, and there she is. I want to give you guys a real feel for what it was like. The shepherds would, would keep their sheep in caves. You find a lot of things happen in caves here, right? The people, half their houses were caves, like Mary's home in Nazareth, right? So shepherds would tend their sheep in these fields. And the wild thing is, I mean, I, I kind of thought when I came here the first time, a lot of this was guesswork. We actually know that this is the region, right, right around here, where the shepherds of Bethlehem would keep their sheep. Isn't that amazing? I want to read you a scripture. This is Luke chapter 2. I tell you to close your eyes to imagine that you're there, but you're there, so keep your eyes open. <laughs> and there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Isn't this stuff mind-blowing? <laughs> I think the shepherds' minds were totally blown. I think their minds were totally blown because shepherds were the most insignificant people in society. Angels didn't appear to kings. Theologically, the Annunciation has a greater profundity to it, right? There's ground zero, the epicenter, where God entered humanity. That was always consistently one of the most mind-blowing experiences on this pilgrimage. To see the altar in the cave of the Annunciation and the Word was made flesh here. But there's a, a different level of joy that comes with the birth. Because it's like, okay, the Word was made flesh in here. And mothers, you know that experience of sharing, you know, that life uh, in the womb, in private. But when that life comes out, it's like, here, joy to the world. This new life's shared with everybody. That new life of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. The first people picked to hear about it by the angels in heaven. Then a company of angelic hosts appear around them with the most insignificant people in society. Thinking, I don't really matter. What a beautiful message that sends. That all of us is of infinite importance to our Almighty God. That in the eyes of, of God the Father, what do you weigh? What is your life worth on the scales? You're worth God the Son in the eyes of God the Father. The mind-blowing dignity and value and worth of every human being. We couldn't possibly imagine it. We're more, more than all the world. So their minds were blown. That God is thinking of me? What? God is thinking of you? The creator of the universe? Yes, and he did all of this. All the things that we're, we're learning about as he walked through the Holy Land, he did all of it with you in mind. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Tattoos mean different things in different cultures. And among the Christians of the Middle East, they've been seen as the mark of a pilgrim for hundreds of years. I'm with a family that's been inking pilgrims for 27 generations. Wasim. Hi. So good to meet you, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to Thank meet you, you for doing this. Seriously. Thank you. You're welcome. This is not your average tattoo shop. No, this is not an average tattoo shop at all. Now, I've heard of like family businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, stay in the family a couple generations. Yeah. How many generations has it been in your family? I am number 27. 27th yes, generation. 27. This shop, we opened it three years ago. Uh, yeah. Before here, we were closer to the Holy Sepulchre Church, yeah. where my grandfather used to do his tattoos. It was a studio on the second floor, and the business was becoming better, and there was more traffic, so I had to find a place that is more a little bit more commercial. Yeah. But basically, yeah. it's been in the family but since, it's what, the, the 1300s? It's, yeah, it's been in the family. I learned from my father, my father learned from his father. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's the tradition, it's the heritage of the Holy Land. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand yeah. in, in, in the U.S. and stuff, the, the spiritual significance of a tattoo, specifically mm -hmm. like this kind of tattoo in this place. Yeah. You're, are you Coptic Christian? I am Coptic Christian. So with Coptic, Coptic Christians and, and Chaldeans, Yes. every time they make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, a Chaldean will get a tattoo. The, Chaldeans, the grandmas, the, the grandpas, the it's, bishops. It's the Chaldeans, the Armenians. Almost all, every Orthodox church does it. They come here and they want to get a tattoo that commemorates their pilgrimage exactly the same way like they have seen it on their parents or grandparents sometimes. And for them, that is one of the most important things that they would do in their trip of their pilgrimage. Wow. And usually they do it towards the end of the pilgrimage because they feel like it's a certificate of pilgrimage mm. and that they need to get it towards the end after they had finished their pilgrimage. And a forever reminder. It's a proud trophy also, so yeah. they can take it home and show it off. It's also a reminder of their pilgrimage and that they have changed 
they have transformed after they have done their pilgrimage. Pilgrimage is not a vacation, man. No, it's, a, it's, it's a way. Not. Vacation oh, escapes life, a pilgrimage embraces life more fully, right? Yeah, and then so you yeah. become a pilgrim. That's right. And so not only is your shop and your, your, your family historic, but your tattoos themselves are historic. Mm -hmm. Tell mm -hmm. me about what makes your tattoos different than the, than the average tattoo. I can say we are very traditional. So yeah. among the tools that my ancestors have left and they have used are wooden blocks that are carved with motifs. For example, this wow. one specifically is a Jerusalem cross. This is a wooden block that has been used in 1669. This is 500 years old. So that blows my mind. It gives me chills. I mean, people have come here on pilgrimage and had yeah. this very wooden block yes, pressed on exactly. them. Yes, exactly. And this is the thing. It has, how many people this thing has touched? How many faithful people this, thing, this piece of wood that has blow, touched? And incredible. that is part of the whole experience. It's not only the design itself, it's the experience of being part of the history. Yeah, I feel a connection it's, with those people just yeah. holding us, to be honest yeah. with you. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all one body in Christ, and the pilgrims have gone yes. before us, and we're yeah. pilgrims on earth now. That blows my mind. What's your oldest wooden block that you got? This is the one that we, we know We're that it's 500 years old. years old because it's documented. Well, I'm here on a pilgrimage and we have two of our pilgrims with us mm -hmm. who want to join the long line of people who have mm -hmm. been to Razouk. Yeah. So, uh, Tom and Angie, come on over. Okay. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey. Hi, hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. This is not your average tattoo. It really is. love the commitment, you know, for a pilgrim to get a tattoo like that. It's like, you're committing to, I'm changed, I'm a different person. And here's a marker of it. A lot of them, even the, the, the Chaldeans, the Iraqi Christians, will get a tattoo along with the year that they did the pilgrimage. And this year I've changed. Follow Jesus more closely. Okay, just breathe in and out, and then push. Or don't, wait, I've done this before. Uh, <laughs> he's no stranger to, to transformation. He, uh, what did you convert from to Catholicism? Oh, I was raised Baptist. He was raised Baptist. Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist. <laughs> hey, they taught me my Bible. But yeah. now, now you got the full picture. You got the sacramental life and everything. Oh, amen. Okay, man. We ready? Yes, sir. Yeah? yeah. Let's do Good. it. Let's do it. That really is incredible, man. He's doing 30 of those a day and his hands just stay smooth. You could be a brain surgeon, brother. That's how I've heard that before. That's, that's next. <laughs> My heritage with us. I'm not fully ready to commit yet. Okay. But can I ask for the first ever in history temporary tattoo from Razuk? Yeah. Using you the original. Think stamp? about it. Think yeah. <laughs> temporary tattoos. You can't go wrong. Is it gonna hurt? Um, this is older than America. This is the oldest temporary tattoo in the world right now on my arm. There it is. It's awesome. Thanks, man. My pleasure. Brother, sister, welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It's a great bless and pleasure and honor, an honor to me. Yeah, thank you. Man. Hello. If you want to overeat, accept an invitation to someone's house in the Middle East for dinner. Though, as Shibley knows, when you break bread, not to mention breaking copious amounts of meat, it's more than just sharing a meal together. It's becoming family. Thanks for this feast, man. That's a serious amount of meat. Bethlehem in Arabic, house of meat. Yeah. And in Hebrew, house of bread. Thank you.
Shemabo, Wabro, Rojo Kadiso, Hadalo Hosheri, Amin. 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 Amin or Amin. What is that? Just eat. That's the kind of. That's kind of eating I like, man. What is this? Good. That's a beautiful plate. It's beautiful and it's emotionally satisfying. I can look at this and just be happy. How do you satisfy with that? Meet our friend Shafiq. He grew up here, and now he spends his life sharing his home with the world. Thank you for sharing that. Well, meal. that's the Middle Eastern hospitality, you know, and you just really, as I said in the beginning, you honored me and you blessed me with your visit, and I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. I just want to, all of us, I just, just thank you guys. And I mean, really, your, your life has become a mission to welcome people to the place Jesus walked. As a tour guide, deep inside, I feel I'm not doing a job. It's more than, a, it's a calling. I grew up like three minutes away from the Church of Holy Sepulchre. That's where I was born. That's where I played on my bicycle, on my skateboard, chased out from the church by the priest. No, no, you're not allowed Playing to inside the, the church, hide and seek, <laughs> and being chased by the priest. But the most beautiful thing about it is that every year we witnessed the celebration of the, the Holy Fire. We witnessed the, the people who came, the pilgrims who walked different languages they they we witness people walk on four to reach the tomb which yeah, well, was, how old are you when it occurred to you like wait oh I'm in the spiritual epicenter of the universe yeah <laughs> right to be honest with you uh, we take it for granted like I grew up right there you know and I see it every day but when I became a tour guide maybe that's when I start feeling this place even more and then today every day I go inside with my groups of the Church of Holy Sepulchre is never the same Really, for you, for you. A million times, it's never the same. Never gets old. No. The Lord speaks to you in a different way every time. It never gets old. And you know, I, we, so these, I want to open the floor for my pilgrims a bit, just to, I don't know, share some things that have touched you guys in being here. When we made the decision to come on the pilgrimage, I don't even think we totally understood why God was calling us here. On Palm Sunday this year, uh, we discovered that we were expecting a child, and... Uh, then throughout the Holy Week, uh, we kind of lived a passion of Jesus by losing that child. And I felt very close to Mary in the moment when she held her son um, on Golgotha. Um, and I knew that I had to come there and I needed to, to be there with her um, because she gave me great strength. And then a few days before we left for our pilgrimage, we were given the great news that we are expecting again. And to be able to, uh, to be able to kiss that spot where Jesus was born today, and to know that our family is is in their hands. You are here carrying it inside you. Yes. God willing, you will be back here carrying it in your hand and making visits where you kissed him. That's, That's right. How amazing to be part of this big global Catholic family. From the U.S. to the Middle East, we're all sharing the same meal, around the same altar, on the same journey to heaven. When I was a, a new dad for the first time, it, it was an overwhelming experience. I was 23. I got married at, at 21. I must have terrified my parents. <laughs> I, so at 23, I had a first baby, and, and it was just an overwhelming feeling. Like, there's this huge world out there, right? But it felt safe in that hospital until they said, okay, you guys can be discharged now and here's the baby. But, but something woke up in my heart. It was the heart of a father that I hadn't experienced in myself before. 
as I left the hospital with that baby. And something within me said, you know, I don't care how crazy this world is. The fast pace, the traffic, the noise, everything. I will put myself between all that and this child, even if I have to die to do it. Nothing's gonna hurt this baby. That's what God did for us. And it was here in the Garden of Gethsemane where he decided to say yes to the Father's plan to lay down his life for us. And what did he say yes to? He saw everything he was about to go through when he died. He saw how his apostle would betray him with a kiss. I think that caused him more pain than we could possibly imagine. He saw how he'd be beaten up and betrayed by his own people. He saw in detail the scourging he would undergo. He saw how he'd be crowned with a crown of thorns. So after the scourging, the crowning with thorns, there wasn't a part of our Lord's body that wasn't covered in blood. He saw how he'd be crucified. It was an absolutely excruciating way to die. This is how the maker of space and time died for us. And he said yes to all that right there. And what was he saying yes for? For God so loved the world, for the maker of space and time so loved you that he gave his only son. What was he saying yes for? He said yes out of love for you. And how do I know it? Where's the proof? Every time we receive the Eucharist, we aren't just receiving, you know, a piece of him. Every one of us receives everything he is. Body of Christ for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. That's driven home at every Mass. All of this for you. All life is a pilgrimage. It's a journey to heaven. And we're not on this journey alone. We're with our brothers and sisters who we share a common humanity with. We're with our brothers and sisters in faith who we share the life of Jesus Christ with. And most of all, the God who entered space and time, who walked our streets, ate our food, celebrated our culture, entered our death, and rose from the dead, he's with us too. As always, thanks for making the journey with us. Praise be Jesus Christ. All this stuff is real. I hope this drove that home for you, and I hope you shared this with a friend. Like, subscribe, all that cool stuff. And listen, go find this series as part of the Life series on reallifecatholic.com. Click on the Courses tab. Scroll down to the Life series. It's this episode and several others that show you how joyful faith makes everyday life. But also, I got to share this with you guys. We just came out with a Monday through Friday three-minute meditation on a podcast called The Three-Minute Reset with me and my dear friend Pat Lencioni. Again, it's only three minutes a day that helps orient you in the right direction. And as St. Paul said, keep your mind on things above, not on things of earth. So go to three, the number three, minutes.net to learn more. God bless you. Love you guys. Thanks for building us up and helping us and supporting us so that we could bless you.